Good afternoon, part de. The calm Christian part de. Back again. In regards to my last podcast, I want to make a podcast to simplify. Simplify and then execute. Here's here is a verse for you. 1 Corinthians 8 verses 1. Now as touching things offered to idols, we know that we have all knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but charity edifies. And if any man thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. But if any man loves God, the same is known of him. You know, I just made a podcast and I've said that some of these doctrines that are inside the Christian church, they've just lodged there over centuries. Do you think they were there in the first century? Imagine yourself in the first century. You're a Gentile, or maybe you're Jewish. I have no idea. And you've heard of this person, this Christ person. You you heard him walking around, you heard him preaching, or maybe you heard of him. And you know that he was killed on a cross, but they can't find the body. And you know that he was preaching love and relationships. And he was preaching hope. That you didn't have to kill sheep and you didn't have to go to, to the synagogue on, on, um, on the Saturday or the Sabbath or whenever it was. That there is a God in heaven who's for them and for you. He loves both everybody, the Jews and the Gentiles the same. And it says if you have the faith of a mustard seed that you will overcome great and do great things. If you have the faith of Abraham in Genesis 15 verse 6 and I don't know if they had Genesis 15 verse 6 that God loves you and he's coming back to get you and that this Jesus person is not really dead he's alive somewhere else and that he's coming very soon maybe in the next 40 years they believed do you think the centuries had had a chance to manufacture all this other stuff all of these fancy pantsy egghead cerebral terms you know, I, I know people who have taken some of the courses at colleges, and I think that's wonderful. Better to take a course at college, a Christian course, than wasting your time or getting into trouble or looking at bad things on the internet. But then they start using all these big fancy words, eschatology, sorterology. They start having to write essays. I have to write like 10 essays um, for compassion and counseling and stuff like that. That's great, no problem. You know, counseling and, you know, a little bit of um, counseling for the emotions, you know, that does require some thought. But what do you think that they were thinking about in the first century? They were going into a cave somewhere, there's fire there, and they're worshiping very simply, singing a hymn. As Pliny said to Emperor Trajan, he wrote to, that, he wrote to him and said, what do I do with these Christians? They keep worshiping God. They keep worshiping Christ as if a God and they sing hymns to Christ as if a God. They don't seem to be remarkable looking. They don't have a unremarkable, uh, they don't have a remarkable diet. They're just ordinary looking folk with this weird hope. And they don't seem to want to bend. Uh, they don't seem to be like everybody else. Maybe those Christians didn't have the Bible like how we have it here. They just ran from one place to the other. 
because there was always a chance of persecution or someone selling you out. And there was this hope, this relational. How did all of this egghead, cerebral information nonsense get attached to Christianity? It just happened over time. It just happened when the church got established and started making up all these rituals and start to shake hands with politics and with the culture and start to import all these, you know, pieces of gold and all of this stuff and all these richy, rich politicians are entering the church. Church is for everybody, rich politicians or poor people. It's for rich eggheads and poor people. But it's where we all stand shoulder to shoulder and worship Christ as if he's a God because he leads us to God our Father. And I don't understand why people want all of this stuff unless they really do truly want it. Because when I was in the other church, all it was about we worship on Saturday and we have the Sabbath, we're the remnant people, and the other people who worship on Sunday, it's the mark of the beast. And one day somebody's gonna come and hurt us and persecute us. That didn't sound like a difference of opinion to me. That sounded like a slander. That sounded like something from Matthew 5. And I'm going to turn, I'm going to turn, I'm going to turn to Matthew 5 because I want you all here to hear this. Because when I started reading my Bible afterwards, it's like, you know, Matthew 5, and it says, Matthew 5. I'm going to find it. So hold on a second. Hold on to your hats. It says here. Hmm. I can't seem to find it now. Matthew 5, verses 12. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Verse 11. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. The day came when I realized, when I believed, I truly believed, that I was not inside a Christian church. I was inside some kind of very good counterfeit. We had the Bible. We had access to the Bible. We had Bible beliefs. But yet we were saying things that were not differences of opinion. They were slander. And we had some weird doctrines that nobody else had. And I realized they weren't coming from Bible. They weren't coming from Jesus. They were coming from a dead woman who called herself a prophet. They were coming from her or they were coming through her and she was a person who had suffered anxiety in her early life. And that was one of the beginnings of the end of my journey inside that system. I didn't want to be saved in a, by, in a system that has another person in there falsely claiming to be speaking for God because that's an alternative voice and that voice started in Genesis chapter 3, when there was an alternative spiritual voice saying spiritual matters, but it wasn't coming from God. It was coming from the guy who inhabited the dragon inside the tree. And I wanted no more part 
of such a system. And I wanted to know what is the simplest truth that God wants for me? What does God want for me? And he wanted me to know his son, which is relational, not informational. And that was the beginning of a new journey, a better journey and a higher journey. And I had read this in scripture. 2 Corinthians 10 verses 18. For not he that commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. A lot of people say that they're this Christian and that Christian. This guy has this opinion and we should believe in this. And this is standard and we all have to agree. And if you don't agree, you're not a true Christian. You know what? That's men pushing other men up. That's men deciding, yay or nay, that this person is right and this person is wrong. I'm sorry, that's not Christianity. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. And what is Christianity is what comes out of Jesus' mouth. And Jesus says, Mark 7, verses 7, How be it in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men, as the washing of pots and cups and many other things such as you do. And Christianity likes to point the finger at the Jews and say legalism. Well, you know what? I point the finger at modern Christianity and say legalism. Your legalism is not of the law of Moses. Your legalism is all the traditions and weird ideas that have accrued over the century, well-meaningly or not, from Christian people alike. Opinions that have been exalted and verified as Bible canon, and they're not. None of the labels of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in Scripture. They're in people's heads. They're how people resolve the Scripture. That's how they lifted the Scripture up and said, this is what it means to me. And there is no fault in that. But, the, but Christianity is not supposed to be an information consensus. This is not the information kiosk on the upper level of the mall. It's about what God says and what Jesus says and what the Holy Spirit, whatever that is, says to your heart. And it says to my heart that Jesus Christ was relational, not informational. I wish to be very calm and I do not wish to use a podcast to push my opinions on anybody. Everybody, everybody, um, I guess an opinion is like a rare end. Everybody's got one and you are entitled to yours, but you can change it. You can alter it. You can say, hey, that guy over there, he's got 50%. I like what he's saying better. Or I can amalgamate something from that person. Or I can take what is good from that person and leave the rest behind. The only thing that is not opinion is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that we serve God our Father through Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ died on a cross to set you free, that his blood cleanses you, that he preaches other-centered relationships, not self-centered relationships. In the name of God, my will be done. It doesn't work like that. In the name of God, Jesus' will be done. 
and Jesus preaches prayer and communication with the Father and trust and trying to get along with other people, both Christians and not, and to sacrifice your own pride and your own ego. And you don't have to use big fancy words and step on other brothers and sisters with your pride and your ego to push yourself up. And that's why I feel I had to say what I said. I respect you if you want to be a Christian that believes in the Trinity. But when you call yourself a Trinitarian Christian, what I think that means to me is the Trinity is first for you and Jesus is second. All the things that start with ism are just men's opinions. Capitalism, communism, Adventism, Lutheranism, Calvinism, Arminism. What other isms are there? Because whatever other isms are out there, Socinianism, Biblical Unitarianism, Binitarianism, Trinitarianism, whatever isms are out there have come straight from the opinions and minds of man. And it's okay, it's how you want to apply it, but that is, was, and has always been second, not first. And when you take something that's secondary and you make it primary, and you take the love and relationship of Christ, which is primary, and you make it secondary, you have flipped the kingdom of God on its head, and that won't do, because you don't get to God through isms. You get to God through relationships. Not sissy love, real, other-centered, self-sacrificial love. And all the other stuff is second. So why fight about it? Hold it loosely because the person that you're fighting about is a fellow Christian who God died for. One day you might eat your words and one day you might have to work with that person. I met a guy in Latin class and as I said, I might have said this, he would not help me when I asked him a question. He would not help me. He refused and I was so shocked and angry. But the day came when he asked me a question, not in Latin, not in the Latin class, but in math class. And I remembered what he had done to me. And I was so tempted to say, I'm busy, man, back off, beat it. But I didn't, and I'm glad I didn't. Not only did I find out he was a very shy person and he was in the shadow of a very big, secure, meaty brother who played football, that that person that I was going to ignore and chuck away, he was a very shy, quiet person, just like me. And I'm glad I did not give to him what he gave to me. Maybe he did that because he was afraid of me. Maybe he did that because he wanted to show off. Maybe he did that because he was insecure, just like I was. And anybody can say that I am insecure and don't know who I am. Anybody can critique me. But I think that the American leaders who are Christians should hang their head in shame for arguing and fighting and putting in all these big, fancy, egghead, meathead, 
PhD terms that the average Joe on the street who's struggling through life, who's struggling to have to, to have his heart filled up with love, who's struggling to find Jesus, how they can sit there and argue all this nonsense as all the degrees pile up behind their names like degrees on a thermometer. Maybe when it gets hotter and hotter, finally your, your bubble will burst. Maybe the thermometer will burst if it gets too high because it's just a lot of ego and self-aggrandizement. PhD, piled high and deep. God wants to use everybody, scientists and brainy people and smart people. But Jesus used fishermen. Why? Because the smart leaders of his day, they could have understood what he said, but they refused because they were so full of themselves. I don't throw what I say at you. I give it to you for your future inspection and perusal. The meek shall inherit the world. Jesus said, come to me. I am meek and humble and you will find rest for your souls. Numbers 12 verse 3 or 4 says that Moses was the meekest man on the planet. And when you bow before God, God says, humble yourself before me and I will lift you up. But when you try to be full of yourself, you will fall flatter than a pancake, just like the devil. I want to close. I want to close with this verse. If I can find it, I hope I can. Jeremiah 33, verse 3. Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you know not. God will give you what the world doesn't have, peace, love, joy, and wisdom. You can't get that from a gospel corrupted with ego, pride, and all of this cerebral egghead nonsense. Get rid of it all. You don't have to be right. People want to be right. You don't have to be right, right, right. God loves you, even if you might have it wrong. Surrender the pride and the ego to God. And my friends, you will feel fantastic. No matter what happens around you, Jesus is the eye of the storm and the volcano and the hurricane is churning all around you. Just look at the faces of everybody around you and know that your Savior loves them. But you can know He loves you because you don't have to worry about things that don't matter. God bless you all. Thank you.